This is the Viceroy Project audio recording from our monthly download called Time and Materials. Visit us at theviceroyproject.com to subscribe, to get resources, and enjoy the community of men who wish to govern well. Is there any trickier subject to tackle than wife as a category? Now, I don't mean actually tackling your wife, literally, certainly don't do that unless she likes that. Moving on. But if we as Viceroy Patriarchs are interested in building households that last centuries, then attention to one's wife is second only to the attention you must be giving to governing your own heart in submission to the king. If we fail to walk in obedience to the king, then of course all is lost. Make no mistake, the marriage will be the first to feel the impact of that because it is so close, intimate, and critical to all other areas of our lives. So let's give the wife subject the attention it's due. Disclaimer, if you're a younger man without a wife, then I invite you to stay engaged during this session because you should be rounding out this topic with a feverish look in your eye, a wild-eyed, nostril-flaring desire to go get a wife now, pronto, let's go. That one-day wife is the key to all your future abundance. My gosh, man, take a shower, dress snappy, drop the video game controller, and look like you're worth a dang. Approach her, smile, invite her to coffee. Tick-tock, time is wasting. That gift of singleness in the New Testament, the one that everybody talks about most all the time and most all the big churches, is the exception, not the rule. A very small percentage of guys fall into that group. You really don't want to be one of them unless you're really supposed to be one of them. So what is a wife for? Obviously, acquiring a wife is a way to be obedient to the first set of commands and thus honors God. If there are misgivings in your heart as to whether marriage is going to lead to your best life, As American consumers, this seems to be our great and primary consideration. You would do well to simply agree with God's wisdom and enter into the shackles, bonds of marriage, and trust that the outcome will be as God intends it. Go with it. We don't know best. He does. Being paired and multiplying is muy bueno. Most men who have been married 30 years or more will tell you as much. It's worth it on the long time horizon. It is so crazy worth it get a wife. Beyond obedience, there are built-in selfish motivations. You should place the wife in in the extremely valuable category. Hot meals, sexual fulfillment, and companionship. Yes, even a wife of 30 years will occasionally laugh at your dumb jokes and point out that your shirt just doesn't look right. There are so many perks, but let's also remember that the scripture plainly states that he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.22. I want that. More favor from the Lord sounds like a very good thing. And Ephesians 5 says that he who loves his wife loves himself. This mutual manifold benefit thing is a killer deal for you, amigo. You want this deal. Even out of selfish considerations, you want this deal. We would be short-sighted fools to opt out of this godly arrangement that he has established. They are so dang good. You weren't meant to be alone, and it isn't good for a man to be alone. If we haven't hammered it home well enough, every Christian man for two millennia would tell you, get thee a wife and invest in her, cherish her. And check this out. Marriage is also a blessing to the woman. You get to be part of that. You'll protect her, provide for her, bless her with children, lay down your life to see that she's well cared for, steady her when she feels wobbly, and encourage her when she is downtrodden. 
Being a wife is a great deal for her because she is looking to strap into a marriage that gives her context for the best, most fruitful, most fulfilling life possible. A life dripping with meaning and joyful delight. The modern emancipated feminist influence woman won't rattle off these deep wishes and needs. Don't expect that. Even so, it's true. And I can prove it. Let's just look at two popular figures from Hollywood. You remember watching those episodes of Seinfeld? Remember Elaine, the single, atomized woman with the high-salary executive desk job in the city for four decades is the boss babe dream? That's our popular cultural apex, the modern, liberal, liberated woman in her urban dwelling alone, floating between sexual partners, unfulfilling relationships, chamomile tea, rom-com movies on the weekends. But she gets to do it on her terms, and she bears no stretch marks or that horrific subjugated barefoot and pregnant life with an underutilized brain. Thankfully, she narrowly avoided that nightmare scenario of marriage and children and grandchildren. No, Elaine got her independent, emancipated dream all right. The cast of Friends got theirs as well. In fact, the popular narrative is everywhere, and miserable families are the only expression of domestic life we ever seem to be able to find on Netflix or Hulu. Hollywood only shows the misery behind the white picket fence. It seems to be boilerplate language in all their contracts. Now, by contrast, consider It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed. Yes, the black and white Christmas movie. Trust me, Reed plays Mary Hatch, the young woman swept off her feet at the high school dance. Blessed with four children, she manages as she restores an old home on a shoestring budget a budget that is so shoestring because she helped the family business fund the town through an economic crisis. It's true, Mary Hatch, she is the Proverbs 31 woman in every respect, and the film shows the life she might well have lived if good old George Bailey hadn't done something about it and joined her in front of a marriage altar. She might well have become an old maid librarian. Now, having seen an actual viewing of this in public, the modern American audience scoffs at this idea now, the naive stupidity of the mid-century mind, as though Mary could only know happiness through domestic life. Outrageous, we exclaim from behind our soy lattes and glowing iPhones. We are so sophisticated now. We progressed ourselves to such societal advancements that marriage and childcare are unworthy endeavors for a woman's early decades. A real waste, a waste of her talents, her body, her mind. But building a marriage with a wife is one of the most empowering things you can offer a young woman. That's the truth. She is a Fort Knox of creative superpower, from embryos to almond-crusted pork loin, to discipleship meetings with other women. Deny a young woman this marital context, and she may bloom. She may write books, enjoy a big career, score well on a psychological happiness index scale. It's true. She might bloom. But she won't fruit. On fruiting. Without you, she won't multiply a million times over. Year after year, decades layered upon decades. She won't replicate in the physical sense. She might not be resourced well enough to replicate in her spiritual DNA, in that spiritual sense. But you, sir, you can do something about that. Now you're going to have to step into the moment and initiate and invest yourself in all kinds of ways. And she's going to need you to do that, to be that. You must engage. Her blessing depends on it, your blessing depends on it, and others you don't know yet, well, their blessing depends on it. 
Psalm 68, 6 says that God sets the lonely into families. The church, you see, is merely the assembly of a spiritual family comprised of natural families. Here the orphan finds his or her place. The widow finds their covering. The shared table of the king exists and expands, frankly, because of the wife. Tables flourish because of wives. Extra place settings are made, and the lonely find their place around warm hearths because matriarchs just do this sort of thing. The truth is, if men were in charge, we would all live in grovels and work in early versions of the Ford Assembly Plant. It's true. We don't create warmth naturally. If it happens, it's almost accidental. As husbands, we should be celebrating this natural, powerful resource in our wives. Generations that don't exi exist yet receive a blessing from your wife. Hundreds, thousands of souls, those who display the image of God in the earth, do not yet exist. But they will because of that marriage. They will be mouthpieces declaring the glory of God in rapid-firing, sustained daily assaults on the fortifications that defy the knowledge of the king. Your obedience to place a ring on a woman's finger mobilizes an army. But of course, if you want to forgo all that to optimize your 401k, by all means, friend, you do you. Now, the last consideration regarding what a wife is for is that a wife fine is for delight. Psalm 128.3 says, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. What does that have to do with delight? Easy. With time, all that fruiting becomes intoxicating wine. Sure, fruiting speaks to offspring, natural and spiritual, but with age, that wife vine is producing that which can make your heart merry. A wife dulls the pain and suffering, the thousand natural shocks, Thank you, Shakespeare, that accompany the, adverse, the adversities and difficulties of life in the 21st century. So you have within your own house a fruitful vine, a private vintage that lifts the spirit, dulls the pain, and produces the merriment that reverberates off the walls and the ceiling. In summation, a wife does all those things in Proverbs 31. And by the way, no feminist can hold a candle to that resource-supported woman recommended by King Lemuel's mother. But she also instructs younger women in the faith, births generations, and nourishes the family. She creates beauty, and the ripple effect of her labor spread throughout the city. She is a dynamo, and she's worthy of your support. So what does your support look like, exactly? Well... She is your, your wife fine. You want to see that she is so well watered, fertilized, protected from harassing pestilence. Prayers work well for this sort of thing. Pruned, gentle removal of what limits her, lies, mindsets, relationships, patterns, influences, such that she throws off entire vineyards, acres and acres of multiplication. You should be studying her, asking her questions, probing, exploring what is in her heart, she may need help unlocking her destiny to maximize all that DNA, all that potent power. That's your job, guy. That's why you can be. That's what you can be focused on right now. So, to that end, I'm always mystified when I hear a man speak to his wife in a harsh tone, especially in public. What the heck is he doing? You could almost see a leaf wither real time. An accusation of pointing out her weakness or deficiency. Well, that all that is insane. You're sowing salt into her root system. She knows about the 15 pounds after baby number two. She knows about the wrinkles, her insecurities among other women, or her misgivings about what kind of mother she is. She's acutely aware of all that. 
and she will, sh she will want to shrink back or recoil rather than extend her roots. Washing over her root systems with the scriptures, praying her back into health, will do more than any mindfulness app on her phone or self-care weekend at the spa. Pray over her until she sleeps. Start her day off in your arms so she remembers what security feels like. It will supercharge the hours that remain in her day. Again, let's look at Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's our model. Pay attention here. There's a direct relationship between how you present your wife to your own mind and the glory that she becomes. Now, your mind will naturally present all the shortcomings and failures of your wife. She might even start obsessing, you might even start obsessing over her shortcomings, the housekeeping, the laundry, her weight, the way she manages the grocery budget. There are a dozen moments when she might behave in a suboptimal way. None of us, remember, are truly optimal. She sins, she is ungrateful, she complains, or has a bad attitude, sure. The question is how we manage her presentation to our own minds. And that takes some practice. You need to be paying attention and watching for patterns so you are ready to make your key moves. So, there's a vineyard north of my small town. At the end of every row, they plant a specific kind of rosebush. Now you might think that the rose bushes are there for pollinating or bees, maybe they exist to beautify the vineyards for visitors. That's what I thought, but I was surprised to find that the rose bushes are indicator plants. There's a particular disease that plagues grapevines, and it will affect rose bushes earlier in the year. There is a three-week delay between impact to a rose bush and the impact to the grapevine. When the rose bush shows evidence, there is time to quickly treat this one plant disease. You simply replant the rose bush after it dies, but you saved the grape harvest. Now that's brilliant stuff. If husbands train their eyes to notice, to anticipate, and address what plagues their wife, well, the fruiting and the wine is the reward. When you pay attention to your wife, you'll notice the indicators, all the little signals. There are always signals. Regarding too much attention, it is the common mistake of young men, newly married men, to be perhaps a little too obsessive about their wife. You likely, you likely remember that early stage or notice it in others. It's natural and probably just the way it always goes. She becomes the sun around which you orient your days, constantly checking in, etc., etc. Her unhappy countenance can send a young man into a flurry of activity and a near panic. In time, you realize that obsessing over that Wi-Fi isn't a long-term sustainable pattern. Give her room, young man, room to establish her household and stretch her roots out. Remember that you govern the estate and operate outside in the marketplace, even as she provides for the fruitfulness of the home. If her happiness entirely depends on your doting, rather than her rooting in Christ, then she will be, sadly, greatly disappointed. Finally, a note on enduring. If it's true that you and I are destined to be more and more conformed to the image of our king, and that is our destiny, Romans 8.29, then guess what that means for the long trajectory of your marriage? Well, it means it gets better and better year after year. 
you look more like Jesus. She looks more like Jesus. That means year seven is better than year one, and year 37 looks better than all those that came before it. Old couples with 50 years of faithful fruitfulness are rare and wonderful, and this is your destiny as you care for your wife fine. Remember, you are the fight. This was the, uh, the main piece from September's Time and Materials. And you can find out more about uh, other resources for you as a man who leads and governs a household at theviceroyproject.com. Hope to see you there.